You're listening to the Built Shapes Podcast, presented by Midco Sports Network. Midco SN proud to bring you the region's best coverage of University of North Dakota athletics, and that will continue to be the case when the calendar flips to 2020, when we've got 15 live UND basketball and hockey games coming your way in January alone. It's all on Midco Sports Network. This is how we do sports, and this is the Built Shapes Podcast. Welcome to a brand new edition of the Bill Chaves Podcast, taping this on a Monday afternoon, December the 23rd, Christmas Eve, Eve, Alex Seidert, Bill Chaves here with you. Merry Christmas, happy, happy holidays, Bill, an exciting time of year around Grand Forks and around the country. I was listening to the uh, intro and yeah, you're right. When the calendar flips, uh, we are going to have a, a few, few games going on for sure. So enjoy <laughs> this week, enjoy next week, and then, uh, and then it's on, right? Yeah, for sure. And and we'll enjoy, you know, January, February is pretty crazy and as is March and April too, but it is fun. It's it's the perfect time right now cuz you get a chance to take a breath, be with family, really enjoy the holiday season, and then you really do go head first back into all the madness that we kind of experience a little bit in in September, October, etc. So, the break comes at a good time. Yeah, it's uh, you know, no doubt. So, uh I, I know uh this past weekend was was great for uh for obviously our basketball teams and uh, got a couple great wins on the road and uh sends sends everybody uh, I guess to the uh to the holiday with their families just in maybe just a little better mood uh it certainly does yeah let's let's get into it not a ton of games to recap about from this past week but the two that we do have on the hardwood both very successful starting with the men und going down to nebraska this past weekend uh, north dakota's in search of their first ever power five win and they get the job done against the huskers a 75 74 win a really great performance from start to finish a game that UND really led almost the majority of the contest and then got the job done when the Huskers pulled it within a couple of points and then got level down the stretch. Great statement win for Paul Sather and company to pick one up on the road against a Big Ten opponent. Yeah, you're right, Alex, for sure. I I, I think maybe uh, led maybe 33 minutes of the game. That's, I think, what Paul Ralston said, what the box score said at some stage. And you're right. It kind of felt like it was that five to seven point uh, for the for the majority. Yeah, maybe maybe more three to seven is probably a better way of putting it. But uh, but yeah, found a way even losing the lead late. And then finding, uh, you know, and uh, a way to to grind back, and uh, and then obviously make some big big plays. And Marlon really had a, a nice night, and uh, and then Deshaun making key free throw, and uh, and and really then getting a, a stop at the end of the game. And uh, you know, it's as simple as the ball goes in, and you know, you just say nice effort, and uh, you know, you you gave everything that you could to a power five team. Ball goes off the rim. And you're a little bit more excited. So, uh, and that's where we sit today. <laughs> yeah, exciting stuff. You mentioned Marlon, 23 points for Marlon Stewart to lead the way. Philip Baracha with another double double. And then, yeah, Deshaun Allen Eikens with, with a great game had a bunch of hustle plays and second effort plays and had another double figure night for them. So, like you said, the team now goes into Christmas with a little bit of a, a spring in their steps. Six and seven, one game closer to 500. One more non-conference game before they start Summit League play. It's another tough one at Oregon State coming up on December the 29th on Sunday. But yeah, you, from, from your chair, Bill, how important is a win like this for this team moving forward? You know, I guess if you look at basketball in general, uh, you know, the, the Power Five schools have the ability to purchase games 
And so it's kind of an interesting, you know, setup, if you will, when it comes to, uh, you know, getting at large births into a very, um, uh, how should I say, uh, um, if you were to get a, a, an actual at large birth, you know, it makes a big, big difference. And then to be able to, I guess, kind of play on your home floor where we know the percentages, right? I mean, they're, they're uh, really ridiculous when it comes to playing on your home floor. And this, this team has, I, I, that's why I give it incredible uh, kudos because they have found a way to grind through a really difficult schedule on, on a lot of opposing floors. And they're just going to, their metal is going to be, uh, has been tested. And I think it's going to serve them well when we go into the summit league play, you know, obviously we had a couple games in Florida that were on neutral court. That was great. Um, but I think as I call it a mid major, if you will, you can, you know, you can only hope at sometimes to get those those games on neutral courts, and then in some years, which looking ahead in the next two, you know, we're going to end up balancing out a little bit more those non-conference uh, home and road games. But this year, this team particularly, I give them a whole lot of credit. And I'll tell you what, they did a great, great job. And you're right. Uh, I didn't mention Phillip, and I didn't mention Keenan either. Keenan hit some big, yeah. big threes in that game as well. Yeah, 14 points for Keenan Walters. Yeah, I think 12 of those coming from from distance. Paul Sather mentioned after the fact, just to kind of follow up on your point, how the team has had to grind a little bit this this past month or two with with so many road trips and obviously one more big one still to come um, at Corvallis. But for them to keep their head up and keep winning games at times and getting some wins on the road and then to have it pay off with a big win like this. This game, by the way, was a little reminiscent for UND fans, I think, probably back to the Gonzaga game from two years ago when North Dakota played toe-to-toe with the Zags. Obviously, Gonzaga was ranked at the time. It would have been, that would have been, and they made the national title game that year. But it came up just one bucket short loss in overtime. This this time around, obviously Nebraska not quite at that level, and I know if you look at their schedule, they've they've lost to a couple of mid major teams, including Southern Utah earlier in the year. But they did beat South Dakota State by seventeen. They just had come off uh, a nice win over Purdue. They'd lost to Indiana in overtime. They, it was a Nebraska team that felt like they had picked up some steam. It's a good win for North Dakota, regardless if you say, well, maybe the Huskers are down a little bit this year. Doesn't matter. Still a Big Twelve opponent or a Big Ten opponent, excuse me, that you just took care of business on on the road as well. Yeah, and I thought what Coach Sather said after the game was uh, was spot on. It's it's not so much who we play, it's how we play. And I think this team is playing better and better as 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 uh, as we're going along here. So uh, it's definitely exciting, no question. You go to uh, you know a, a place like the University of Nebraska where they had you know a great crowd, a great holiday uh-huh. Saturday crowd, and uh, I think it was kind of descending upon us a little bit too as uh, as it got tighter uh, down the stretch. And uh, you know we found a way, and uh, that's going to serve us well moving forward. So very very exciting. Proud of the club and. Uh, uh, you know, certainly uh, that probably that holiday dinner might taste just a little bit better. <laughs> One last thing on that win. Tim Miles, who, of course, had been the head coach at Nebraska and coached Paul Sather, had a great tweet thread talking about this. He goes, Paul, it's not in case you've seen this. Check it out. But coach at Coach Miles, it's 1993. Paul, listen close. I've got to tell you something. In 25 years, you're going to be in your first season as a D1 head coach. You're going to beat a Big Ten team, Nebraska. Yeah, I know they're in the Big 12 now, but things get weird. When you get the win and get to the locker room, break out some of your best dance moves. The team will go wild and have someone video it on their iPhone. Yeah, iPhone. Well, it's a portable electronic device, like a computer and phone combined. It's just great. It's just... 
<laughs> it's just great. But uh, Tim, who's now doing commentary for the Big Ten Network, I is a great guy. Obviously, he's a South Dakota native, so he knows Paul. Obviously, coached Paul and. I think a lot of people around the country that know Paul, obviously, we're very excited for him to get this kind of a win in year number one and in the first semester of his time as head coach of UND men's basketball. Good for those guys. We'll see if they can go back to back against Power 5 schools again December 29th at Oregon State before Summit League play kicks off uh, in Denver a couple days after the fact. Yeah, the one thing we've we've seen, Alex, and I saw the tweet. It was great. Yeah, and I think Paul <laughs> mentions he had a, a little bit more hair than I think. That was the response. Yes, I missed the hair. Yeah, it was good. It was good. But uh, yeah, I you know I, I'd say that you know good for Paul breaking out those moves. I, again, I'm not sure anyone's going to be like a Jerry Rice. Let's just say on Dancing with the Stars is probably going to feel threatened <laughs> at this point. But uh, but I said to him, hey keep breaking them out. I'll tell you what, it was great. But the, uh, um, I thought, like I said, I, I, I just go back to it. You know, a lot of the stuff we, it's about experience memories and that's a big, big memory that these, these guys will, will, will not soon forget. Yeah. If you've not seen Paul Sather's moves again, check that out on the UND men's basketball Twitter feed or on Instagram. They're, they're all over the place. It was almost like a little kind of a mini breakdance moment there where he kind of got on the floor and spun a little bit and, Kind of, but it was carpeted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what would you call that move? <laughs> I don't. I don't think they have a name for it, <laughs> and I don't think they're going to name the it. Sather. The Sather. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I know. Mark Few breaks out the uh, handstand. Oh, the, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's a handstand guy. He's a handstand guy, and Paul's Paul's long, so yeah. a handstand might be tough. <laughs> I mean, so I think he just breaks out the Sather and just be done with it. I think so. I like it. That's it's a it's a good move. It's a he good move. He kind of stopped three quarters of the way through, didn't he? It's almost like he had second thoughts, like he realized someone was filming this, and then reversed course. No, it's it's all good. Good stuff. <laughs> Uh, congrats to men's hoops congrats to women's hoops as well nine and three now for travis brewster's crew in non-conference with one game to go at uh, at new orleans coming up after christmas a 66 58 win in milwaukee another game where you know und led not quite from start to finish but really were in control of this game milwaukee had a good push in the second half and made it tight and the ladies just got the job done in the end a nice eight point win on the road to push them, you know, near double-digit victories in the first half of the season. Really great performance again. Yeah, I thought Saturday's game uh, was a tester for sure. Uh, I, you know, I felt we played well enough to win for sure. But um, there's times in the game we weren't shooting it great. And, and there was times in the game when I thought Milwaukee did a pretty good job on the offensive board as well. Sometimes they'd get two, three uh, possessions at a clip. And so, uh, uh, you know, kind of a, I, I was texting with uh, Brew after the game and he just kind of, you know, the way he described it was kind of like an old school win, if you will. It just mm-hmm. felt like a, you know, just a grind it out, uh, just had to find a way to make one or two more plays. And that's what I think we did. Yeah, Elena Jarnett with 15 points, the only fighting hawk with double figures. It was really was a team effort. A lot of kids chipping in uh, on both ends of the floor. And another big road win. I and mean, This team has got to have so much confidence now. And especially for them coming off a disappointing performance a week ago at SMU where they just didn't play their best to bounce back with, a, with as you said, a, a gritty old school team win to propel them now into this Christmas period with one more road non-conference game left before conference play starts. 
team's playing well right now, Bill, getting things figured out before Summit League play gets going. I thought the SMU game was really good for us because we actually played okay for 20 minutes and uh, had a 10-point lead. And, and and I thought, you know, went into the locker room and, and it was one of those, you know, one team definitely changed how they were going to approach the game. Or maybe, I shouldn't say this, executed maybe how they wanted to approach the game in SMU. And boy, they were they they got after us in that second half. And, uh, yeah. you know, maybe that's, maybe that's one of those games, Alex, you're going to look back and say that helped us along the way. And, uh, you know, we, we ended up playing the 40 minutes on Saturday, got a, got a big win, and you're right, nine and three and go to New Orleans. And, uh, and then uh, both teams will start Summit League play. One game apiece in non-conference for the men and the women, both on the road. And then uh, Denver calling, and pretty soon, you know, we're off and running with Summit. I know we'll have a pod next week, and we can kind of preview some Summit League stuff. But the first, by the way, first men's, women's doubleheader is coming up just around the corner. Get on your calendars, January the 5th, uh, as I believe Purdue-Fort Wayne is going to be in town that weekend. So a couple of uh, men's and women's hoops games at the Betty to kick off the Summit League season after they go on the road against Denver on New Year's Day and the day following. Oh, good stuff for the men and women on the hardwood. Uh, we do want to mention, by the way, good stuff for our UND football team in terms of All-American honors. We didn't mention this last week, but Donnell Rogers has picked up a pair of All-American honors now. He was voted second team by one organization, third team by another. Mason Bennett picked up a third team All-American honor as well cool to see some of our guys get recognized for outstanding seasons obviously Donnell was top 10 in the country in total tackles and had a phenomenal year at middle linebacker and Mason who missed a good chunk of the season because of a hamstring injury was still so dominant when he was out there that he was still tabbed as one of the top guys in the nation pretty cool stuff for those two young men in their efforts this year yeah, good for them and uh, well deserved. Thanks for uh, bringing that up, Alex. And uh, and kudos to you and, and the whole Midco crew. Uh, and, you know, last week I thought the uh, um, the signing show was excellent, and uh, you know, um, seems like you know I think Bubba and the staff are excited about uh, the group that that signed, and uh, should be should be a lot of fun as we uh, head into the valley. Yes, sir. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Just talking to the guys because now they can really speak openly about being a Valley school. Uh, last Wednesday with with all the coaches over for signing day, that's always such a fun event. And if you haven't checked out the signing day special, by the way, it's it's an hour long and it's all on YouTube right now. If you go to Midco SN's YouTube page, one of the big takeaways from that morning. The, the, hey, we, we know the coaching staff pretty well. They're such a good group of guys and they're fun to hang out with. And they were over at about 6.30, 6.45 or so at our office and guys bringing in donuts and McDonald's and just having a good time. And Because the, the, the yeses were coming in. All the guys they had verbaled over the course of the last year, year and a half, everybody pretty much wrote their names on the dotted line and sent their stuff in. But one young man that they had been working on for a while that had originally committed to Old Dominion and then the coaching staff was let go and he was kind of reopening his recruitment. They weren't sure going into the morning if they were going to get this really talented three-star quarterback from Toronto to join the class. And it was great. Right before we went live on the air, Danny Froen gets a call and walks into our break room and it's from Quincy Vaughn, this young man from Toronto. And you could... You could see that everybody got real quiet because everybody kind of knew 
this is a big phone call. And either this is going to be a yes, I'm coming, or no, I'm going to maybe go someplace else. And we hear, Dan- <laughs> we hear Danny let out a, yes, let's go. You just made our day. And all the coaches kind of looked at each other like, all right, that was a big one. That was a big yes. So it's fun to be a part of those moments. And, and we hope you enjoyed the show. But yeah, I, really good things coming for this football program. They just keep building playoff season this year, moving into the Valley now. Good things to come for Bubba Schweigert and this crew. And they think they've got a really good class here in 2020 in-state and out. Yeah, no question. Uh, and I guess, uh, you know, Quincy's going to join a, a, a quarterback room that I know they're just excited about, um, you know, and I think uh, I, what they're really excited about is the ability for them to compete and to see yeah. who kind of, you know, rises up. And, you know, it could be multiple guys that rise up. You never know. I mean, and we're just in a place almost with football where if you're just a really good player, they're going to find a way to get you on the field in some way, shape or form with a package or two or however that plays out so um so i know danny's excited about that and yeah and i I talked to bubba and he he just likes this class just in general right i mean i think now that we're really back in the valley and the and we're i guess i'll call it very regionally relevant now up and down right the uh i-29 and in into the midwest and uh i think it's uh it's going to be exciting for us and you know hey you do what you have to do but the last couple years been a little bit tricky right it's kind of like feeling like you were in uh uh, almost like you're in two homes, but no home. I mean, that's kind of how it went, yeah. right? You, you, you kind of, you know, you, you were, you were being looked after a bit and uh, uh, you know, we thank the big sky for everything that they've did. And, you know, and it was kind of a scheduling consortium for us for sure. But, uh, but this helps us as we're going forward for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exciting stuff. Again, football, is always kind of in motion. Now they have this dead period, but guys are lifting and working out and getting ready to go for spring ball, which starts at the end of February. And then pretty soon it'll be August the 31st or August, September the 3rd, excuse me, this year, Valparaiso coming to town for the season opener on a Thursday night. Not that far away, Bill. It's going to be good. Another good year coming up. Oh, yeah. I mean, as we flip the calendar to 20, uh, I think there's just a lot of uh, optimism in, in that program and and a, and a number of other programs that we have rolling. So uh, So it's exciting. Yeah, certainly. Uh, One more UND item that I wanted to get your thoughts on. Steve Brecky, who's been with the university for so long, made the announcement this past week that he's going to be leaving UND in Uh, mid-January. Steve was the senior associate athletics director for athletics major gifts and was always on. uh, He would seem to be always on the sidelines on road trips with teams, always just raising support for UND, been with with, with the university for a long time, a Hall of Fame athlete as a basketball player, just a, a great man. And obviously tough to see him go, but we wish him the best for the future just your thoughts on steve and this transition for him in his yeah, life yeah good for brex uh you know he just uh interim ad at one point in time too uh so he's he's seen it all uh literally from his playing days uh he was a fan of the university of north dakota growing up from uh, warren minnesota and so you know he just uh he just embodies really everything that is this university. And so, uh, um, and, and it's a large body. I mean, you can, I mean, I think he can go inside outside, right? I mean, I think he likes to shoot the three, but, uh, but he certainly can go inside with that body, but he's done just a phenomenal job here. And I will say this, Alex, in my soon to be two years coming up now, uh, you know, I couldn't have asked for someone better, uh, to, to really kind of, you know, kind of give me the lay of the land, if you will. Mm. And, uh, you know, he just, uh, you know, he he bleeds 
bleeds green, and he just uh, has been a stalwart for this institution. And uh, uh, we're going to miss him for sure in the role that he was in. But now I always kind of look at it and say, you know what? Well, now he'll be in another role for us. You know, he'll be on the, I'll call it, quote unquote, outside. I don't think he'll ever be on the outside. He'll always be on the inside. But, um, but you know, he's just, he'll never uh, not go away. And in fact, uh, excited about him kind of finishing up his professional career and kind of how he wants to do that. But I think he's going to uh, have a little bit more time maybe on his plate. So we'll see him around in probably different capacities. Yeah, I would imagine that Steve will still be at pretty much every UND home basketball game, home football game, out at the Ralph. He just just loves this university. I, I, the first time I met Steve was on one of the early plane rides with football, a non-conference game years ago when I started working the UND beat, and we just I just couldn't get over like how passionate he was just about you know, student athletes and he'd be talking about the guys and like, we're talking about the football team and we transition and he's, he's asking about these summit league schools and you couldn't get over the fact that like his enthusiasm for all of this made him such a great asset to the university. Just a, a great man. So one, one that we'll certainly miss, but excited to see him in his new role and, and certainly excited to still see him be a part of the university in a different capacity moving forward. Couldn't have said it any better. I mean, uh, you know, he's just a, uh, a marvelous human being, uh, you know, obviously better person than whatever we all do professionally. But uh, but certainly what he did do professionally was, uh, you know, always top shelf. Yeah, good stuff. Steve Brecky, moving on. Good for you, buddy. Uh, any other UND things, Bill? Anything else on your mind from a North Dakota or NCAA perspective? Yeah, one other quickie. Uh, you know, I, I was uh, in a little text thread with uh, with Brad yesterday, Barry, and it seems like uh, Shane Pinto uh, scored a goal. Um, it beat they beat Sweden, uh, mm-hmm. Team USA. I think he was first line center. So uh, so it would. Here, I think that he'll probably make that Team USA, I, I would think. I mean, I, w- I would struggle to think he'd, he's first-line center. And then all of a sudden, in, in Team USA, and I think we talked about it last week, is is their tryouts, or I should say how they're picking the team, is a little bit different than Team Canada. Correct. Is that right? So they're bringing everybody over, and then eventually they might be, I'll call it, sending some some guys home that don't make the final roster. And so, uh, but Team Canada, so it, it would appear uh, right after, uh, you know, as as you said last week on Boxing Day, the 26th, uh, when the tournament begins, uh, it looks like uh, UND will have two, two, uh, two players, uh, one on Team USA, one on Team Canada. Yeah, I would be very surprised if Shane or Jacob are not on the squads and they, they've both basically punched their ticket now. Yeah. As you said, Shane, so they, they beat Sweden six to four the other day in these exhibition games. They're killing Germany right now. I think seven, one now is the final in, in another pre pre WJC tune up, you know, and, and Shane's been a big part of the success in those two wins. So he's been uh, a great player for UND in his freshman campaign. He certainly has earned his spot on the team. And same thing with Jacob Canada again, do those things a little bit different. There's still a chance that maybe he gets left out, but at this point you got to think that he's going to be on the squad as well. So be sure to tune in. Those two play each other, by the way. Canada-US is the first game in the group. And I'm not sure if it is on Boxing Day or if it's on the 27th, but that's coming up right after Christmas. So check check your local listings. NHL Network is going to have all of those US games and all those Canada games on. So that'll certainly be a uh, one you'll want to catch. And it'll because the tournament's in the Czech Republic, the games will probably be on in the late morning, would be prime time over in the Czech. So be sure to be on the lookout for that coming up. Maybe check that out uh, from your office office desk. (laughs) Or if you're on a little Christmas break, you know, make some time to check that out coming up in the days ahead. 
The last thing I would say is uh, um, got an update from Jody last week, and uh, boy, Nashville tickets are just flying off the shelf, so to speak, and uh, um, just not a whole lot left inventory-wise. But if you are interested, I would uh, I'd, I'd jump on at this point in time. But boy, I I, I think it's going to be a, a it'll be very festive in Nashville come October. That's for sure. It'll be it'll be pretty green in that in uh, in Bridgestone. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, gosh, get your tickets now. That's a great Christmas gift. If you're looking for one last little stocking stuffer, something else for someone that you really love that's a UND fan, there aren't many left. Do it. Just, Just do it. <laughs> that's a good Go one. Go It'll it. be fun. By the way, US Canada is on Boxing Day, noon, noon Central Time, NHL Network. Check that one out. That's going to be a lot of fun. Utilize your lunch break. Yeah. That'll that'll be just a heck of a game for sure. Yeah. Should we flip her over? Chat a little. Chat briefly. Kind of a sad, kind of a sad pre-Christmas piece side because a couple of Bills teams had tough weekends. Unfortunately, you want to talk about sad Steelers or sad Spurs first, Bill? Well, the Steelers have reached their apex. So, you know, again, I think the last pod, I'm looking towards next year. I mean, we, we've determined, uh, let's just put it this way. We've got to figure out the quarterback position. Um, and, and again, if Roethlisberger comes back and he's somewhat healthy, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. Their, their defense is pretty good. I think they, they've gotten some receivers, uh, you know, young guys that have gotten a, a lot of experience. So, uh, I mean, if it works out this weekend – that for whatever reason, Tennessee decides to lose and, and the Steelers decide to win, uh, which I don't think is going to happen, even though Baltimore is not going to play their guys, but Houston's probably not going to play their guys either. So that's mm. neither here nor there. I, I, you know what? Tennessee can go to Kansas City. I'll <laughs> let them go. I'll let them go. I, I, I just I honestly think next year they, they learned enough about their 53 man roster that they can go figure some things out. But I, I, I'll be interested to see what they do with that. So that's that. I, that doesn't that didn't disappoint me all that much. The Tottenham game. eh? You know what? You're going to go through some highs and some lows. I, I was really fascinated. Uh, it was interesting strategically or tactically, I guess, is how um, I guess Chelsea came out to play. And they their tactics were greater than Spurs crap, uh, tactics in the first half. And and then I think I think what Mourinho was going to try to do is get to halftime one nil and change it up to some degree. But then I don't know what my goalkeeper was doing. Did you yeah. see that? So I did not see any of this match, but I did read about it. Yeah, Gazaniga. I don't uh, know what he was doing. Bad decision to give the penalty. It didn't seem. Um, like he needed to, uh, like, I don't know what he, I, he just had a, he had a breakdown. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, in a sense of he, I think he just thought he was, I don't know what he was thinking, but it was the right call. And then, and then it didn't help when son. And again, I, that probably is a red card. I mean, he, he, he kind of extended his, his cleats upward to someone's torso. And you know what? I, I could see why they did it. I mean, and then once it got to 10 men, you weren't going to score two goals at that point. Yeah. So it was okay. I, I, I'm okay. I, I'm in for the journey. It's a 38 game journey. <laughs> I, I'm okay with it. Like it, it would have been nice if Tottenham won, they would have actually climbed up to fourth place yeah. in, in the table. But, you know, this is going to be a little bit of a grind with this group. So uh, I'll, I'll see what happens. Yeah, the journey, by the way, gets a lot more intense over the next seven days or so. This is, we always talk about the, festive 
fixtures this holiday season where there's so much congestion. Everybody in the EPL plays on Boxing Day. Uh, you, by the way, kick off the day, 6.30 a.m. against Brighton. Then you play on Saturday. So two days later, you go to Norwich. And then on New Year's Day, you play Southampton. So it's three games in a week. It's a lot. But obviously, the three teams that you are playing... None of them are good. They are, these are all like relegation type teams. So you got a great chance to pick up, even though two of these games are on the road, to pick up nine points. The table will look so different after the first of the year because there are so many matches in a short period of time. It's a great opportunity for you to make up some grounds. What ends up happening, it, it, truly, if you do go on a three-match winning streak or a four-match winning streak, it is amazing the ground you can make up or the distance you can put aside from folks. And so I was a little hopeful or optimistic that they could get the Chelsea match done and then get these three. But here's the deal. They're, they're just not consistent enough. It, now maybe they get these three. Who knows? I, I, I don't know. I mean, if they got Chelsea, they might you know not get one of these. And so <laughs> now they've put the pressure on themselves uh, one at a time one at a time, but just, uh, you know, they are better than these teams. They just got to go, go do it. That's it. Now, what was your team playing? Like, what was that? Like, yeah. what, seriously, what was <laughs> like, I see canceled or postponed or whatever, you know? And I, I always love that little thing. Like when I see that postponed, uh, then I know someone's playing in something. What on earth would they play? I don't even know who they played. So a couple things. So Liverpool, because they won the Champions League last year, that puts you into the Club World Cup. So now you're playing against the club champions from South America, North America, uh, Africa, Asia, etc. Now, there's you don't play all those teams because there's a play-in game, but that's that's basically what it is. So you play that in December, and it's at a neutral, whatever, whatever site they pick. This year they picked Qatar, of course, a little pre-World Cup tune-up. So Liverpool had to go to Qatar, and it was the same date that they had been drawn to play in the League Cup quarterfinals. So they're playing in the League Cup quarterfinals, and it's the same day as they're supposed to play in this Club World Cup. So they ended up basically doing a split squad, basically. But they, they played all the kids at home. They played a, basically a youth team uh, against Aston Villa in the Carabao Cup on a, a two, whatever on a Friday. And then the next day... Uh, no, <laughs> five nil. They got, they got killed five, nothing because they were playing, they're playing basically a U 18 team because they, they took the senior pros to Qatar to play in this club world cup. And this is the club world cup is not, it's not a huge deal. It, you t- typically the team from Europe usually wins depending on how crazy your schedule is. Most of the other countries, by the way, like the, for example, Monterey, who represented North America, who were the CONCACAF Champions League winners, their season's over. Liga MX finished up a couple of weeks ago. So they're basically in postseason mode. A lot of these other teams are kind of either on a winter break or their seasons are already over. So it's kind of a weird time to be playing this. But uh, but it was it's been a competition that's gone on for 40, 50, years in different forms it's a competition Liverpool had never won before and you know you win a trophy if you if you win the whole thing there's a nice prize bonus so they took their senior professionals and they had to win a tight game over Montserrat uh, 2-1 a late Bobby Firmino goal I think in the semifinals and then they beat Flamengo the team from South America from Brazil an outstanding team uh, in the uh, in the championship game won nothing in extra time so they won the whole thing so it's kind of cool so they, the guys were happy it was a uh, one of those competitions that you couldn't find anywhere to watch it on television, but it mattered in some sense, and 
they have another trophy for the trophy case. So was it, uh, is it literally, was it a semifinal championship deal or did they yep. play another match prior to that? No, semifinal championship. So it was just, just two matches. I think they played on a Wednesday and a Saturday, I think. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I, I didn't know what that was. So uh, thanks for the explanation. <laughs> but needless to say, you're one match uh, shy now in the uh, EPL yeah. double. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> gotcha. So yeah. that well, uh, and you got another trophy for your trophy case. We love trophies. It's our third one this year now. We love it. Oh, I, we, we would love a trophy too. <laughs> I mean, no, we are, we are trophyless for a long time. So yeah, it's, it's going to be very interesting. But Mourinho has won trophies before. He's a serial winner, Bill. And he will tell you. <laughs> My favorite Mourinho winning trophy story was from his last, his second to last Manchester United year before it all fell apart because they won the Community Shield, which is just like the preseason friendly between the team that wins the league and the team that wins the FA Cup. And then they won the League Cup that year, I want to say. And then they won the Europa League that year. And so as they're on the Europa League stands, you know, with the trophy, and that's a, that's a good competition, but he's pointing out, he's holding up three fingers as if saying, we won three trophies this year. And the, the community shield is not really, you, it's one game, it's an exhibition game. It doesn't really count. But he kept saying how they won the treble, which is a, the treble, if you're not a soccer fan, is a big deal. Three, we won three trophies. <laughs> like, come on. He's not, he's not wrong. wrong. Uh, it's so funny. Last thing. Last thing, last topic. So what are we doing with Mookie Betts? We're going to trade him, I think. I think that's happening. <sighs> you know, um, I mean, at this point, anytime you read anything about big offseason moves, I mean, that's still one of the topics of conversation amongst anybody that has any kind of column inch to fill. That's what they're talking about. At the same time, it hasn't happened yet. And... You know, the Red Sox are bemoaning the fact that they just don't have any money to spend and they can't keep this roster together. It sounds like they're going to be, I think they're more likely to trade David Price is what it sounds like more so than trading Mookie Betts at this point. But I don't know. The Yankees signing Garrett Cole and putting all that money into their rotation, I don't know if that will make John Henry and Larry Lacchino and the ownership group to sort of think and maybe say, ah, maybe we should keep on to our biggest superstar just to try and keep pace. I I don't know. I, I think the Cole signing personally makes them more likely to keep him than move on from him, but I'm not sure. We'll find out, I guess. Well, you can make an argument. I mean, well, the Yankees certainly got better for sure along with their offense, but they definitely weakened Houston. I mean, that definitely happened. So so I, I would say, again, I, I don't think there was any question in my mind the best team in the American League was Houston. And so now they are lesser than, and the Yankees are probably greater than, I guess, at some point. But I think the Red Sox would do a Yankee thing that they did a few years ago when they traded Chapman, and they kind of kind of altered their roster and farm system on the fly. And I give I give um, I, I give Cashman a lot of credit. He they did a nice job that year. I mean, they just they knew they weren't going to win, right? And so right at the trade deadline, they did they made a couple incredible moves that really I think have set them up now to do what they're doing. So I don't know. I think the Red Sox will try to do something similar. I just it feels like though. They've got a number of guys on their roster right now that their contract is outperforming the actual person. 
And I just don't, I, I think they're struggling with giving bets a trout Harper contract right now. I wonder if it's a philosophical thing, because when you look at those contracts and obviously Garrett Cole just got what, nine years, nine. I mean, that's a long time for a pitcher, but the fact that all of these guys are signed, I mean, the Harper deals, what, 13 years, I mean, 12 years. I mean, these are NHL type contracts where they used to sign guys for 15 seasons. That's, that's such a big commitment and it's such a big, you know, for your organization to invest in one person for that length of time and for that much money, you know, that is kind of a, it's a line of thinking that maybe the Red Sox don't want to be a part of and sort of know that even though if we decide to give Mookie Betts, you know, back the Brinks truck up or whatever and really give him this money and give him these years, maybe we know that, hey, by the time year seven of this 11 year deal comes around, you know, he's he's going to be 34. That's probably not the business we want to be in. If that's the only rationale, you know, then I get it. But I would also say too, then like, hey, maybe do a five-year deal and just pay him a little bit more if you're if you're that worried about it. Because he's still in his, he, he's the MVP of the league, Bill. He's still in his prime. He's an incredible player. He's the face of your franchise. I just don't think you can get him to sign a five-year deal. I, I, I just, I don't even think that's an option. I, I, I don't. I, I think... You know, that's the issue. I, I think they would do it, but when you've got them under control, let's just say two, three years ago, that might have been the time to go get an extra year or two beyond when he becomes eligible. But now that he's going into his last year, probably it's not going to happen. Now it's going to be a 10 year deal, probably. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that's where we're at. Is this bad for baseball? 10, 12 year deals, guys that are signing when they're 27, 28, that you know, the Pujols type thing, Bobby Bonilla type stuff. Is that bad for baseball? Do you like this? I don't know. I I guess it depends on how it's structured because sometimes, you know, uh, you know, sometimes the price of money, right, will be less than 10 years from now. And so I guess it all depends on how the structure of the contract occurs. But I just, I just don't think the Red Sox want to tie themselves up for, for a decade. You know, if you were going to do it right now, wouldn't you take a shot at Devers? I mean, if you're going to sign a 10-year deal right now, wouldn't it be better to go down that path right now? Who's 23? Yeah, he's four, four or five years younger. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I just think you're going to see – I think you're going to see him traded, and I think they're going to try to get an arm or two, a real young arm that's going to be you know a piece of their rotation going forward. I, I could see that. Hmm. I hope you're wrong. <laughs> I just see it happening. I, there's too um, much smoke. Too much smoke. You're probably right. There has been a lot of smoke. A lot of smoke. But I'm going to keep my uh, fingers crossed that it doesn't. Time will tell, Bill. 2020. All will, all will be made clear in the, in the next couple of weeks or months. Or you can do, I guess, or you can do like what we always talk about is the, the, uh, the soccer player that's coming to the end, right? And you're not going to get anything for him per se, right? So that's the Christian Erickson thing for the Spurs is, are, are they really going to trade him? Uh, uh, trade him? Or is he going to get purchased in January or do you just play through to the end? I don't know. I mean, do, or do they just say, hey, let's see what happens. I don't know. Uh, I mean, they still got a pretty good roster per se. I just think their farm system is not that uh, – loaded at this point it's been depleted because of the the moves that they made to win it to win a title i mean that's you know this the sale trade the you know you had to you had to ex, 
yeah, you had to give up a lot to get those guys. Even some of the ones that didn't work out, you were still kind of paying, you know, over market value to bring in guys who could help you right away. And and that's that's kind of, you know, Pomeranz was kind of the same situation. Hey, we kind of had to overpay to bring in a guy and it didn't work out. But yeah, I think uh, I, I agree with you that there is merit in trying to rebuild your farm system and that that's kind of how you can regenerate your team and that's obviously what we see. We've seen the Twins and the Astros and some of these teams do in recent years to have success. You kind of have to go that route, or you just keep spending money, and that's kind of what the Red Sox have been able to do. And I don't know. It's it's fun when the kids when you can bring up your own guys and they can be good. But again, I keep going back to this. Mookie Betts is the guy they brought up. This is this is the guy that they have developed. And same thing with Bogarts Endeavors. And it's a team that they've mostly been able to develop. And I know that the next wave isn't coming because they've traded all those guys off. But I don't know if it makes sense then to trade the guy that you brought up for somebody else that you hope could be maybe as good, who probably isn't going to be as good. Uh, it's tough. But I think it just goes back to what that contract's going to look like. And sure. that's it. And so, you know, I don't know. I, if they lose him in right field, and I guess, do you keep Bradley then? I guess. You have to. Well, I guess you don't have to do anything. I don't know. Well, and the other side of it is with the bets is that everything that you've said, he's nothing but what you'd draw up as the face of your fa- franchise. Like really, I mean, that, yeah. he's unbelievable. So, but it'd be interesting. I, I if you're going to get something, you're probably going to get it. Wouldn't you get it now? Because if someone would l- want them from, from spring training on, if I'm the Dodgers and I'm going to give up three prospects um, that are pretty darn high level and you know that they're grade a, so to speak, wouldn't you want them for, for spring training? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. If this trade is going to happen, it's going to happen either between now and, and the end of January. Like, it's it's not going to be something that's going to linger. You can't, you know, they can't start spring ball with him. It's, that's just not going to work. It, he's going to have to be in a different team. But I, he, my counterpoint to that, if it's a team like the Dodgers that's built to win right now, haven't they basically exhausted their farm system as well to get to this point? Like, I don't think LA's got a bunch of you know top guys the teams that have those types of prospects anymore you mentioned the white Sox in our last podcast like that's a team that has i was even with they have been stockpiling but they're not necessarily built to win right now but they want to make a splash and maybe build back up like that's a team that maybe fits the mold that would make a move like this just to try and generate some interest in your franchise a contender right now i don't think would have the pieces to be able to pull something like this off the pieces that the red Sox would want we'll see but they've got a young pitcher too right that that's actually made their way to the uh major leagues like a may or someone like that mm-hmm. i mean i i mean that there, there's there it maybe it would be kind of a combination of not only prospects, but someone that's, uh, uh, I'll say, in their first year. And so, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I, I just, uh, it, it, it's, it's disappointing in a sense that um, just amazing, just, you know, less than two years ago, they, they had their best record in franchise history. And now they're already really taking apart the whole, the whole team. New GM. Probably a couple new, you know, guys in the rotation and maybe a new right fielder. So we'll see. Watch this space. Bill says he's going to get traded. I say no. I'm going to stick to my guns and say he's going to be a Red Sox. But that's mostly just that's from that's my heart talking more so than my head. Good, yeah. good. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to go with the head here. <laughs> oh. uh, last thing for you. Christmas shopping all done? Ready to roll? Well, first, let's let's start. It really had nothing to do with me. So, but the answer is yes. Um, and uh, the... 
the issue is because you're when you're zigzagging across the country for the last let's call it 15 years or so um and the majority of your family is in one pocket and you're not um you'd better get stuff done quick because you got to get it in the mail so so at the end of the day yes it's done um maybe some knickknack things for our let's just say our kids that maybe we can kind of figure out between now and then but other than that yes how about you uh close we're really close um i am notorious for waiting until december 23rd to sort of finalize things and it's kind of fun i sort of like the you know running out when yeah i like the pressure i do better under pressure (laughs) so today's Uh, your day it is today's my day yep today's the day i'm going to wrap up the pod we're going to get this edited and shipped off so the the folks can have something to listen to on on christmas eve and and then i'm going to run yeah maybe maybe hit up one or two spots before i head home i've got most things are done our kids are set which is great i'll probably pick up one more thing for my wife and then we'll be good to go it's just like Newman said, right? The pods have to keep on coming. They just have to keep on coming. <laughs> Neither rain, nor sleet, nor holidays, nor whatever. The first one. <laughs> the first one. I love it. Well. Classic. Well, hey, enjoy uh, enjoy the Christmas, uh, Christmas day here in a couple days, Alex. And uh, we'll be back next week. I think we'll, uh, we'll wrap up, quote unquote, the year and uh, look ahead. Yeah, an exciting best of 2019 edition coming into your podcast inbox seven days from now. Uh, Yes, Bill, happy holidays to you. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Enjoy the time. And yes, excited to chat about all the good things that happened this past year coming up in a little bit. Let's do it. Sounds good. Perfect. For Bill Shaves, for Cassie Niles, I'm Alex Seinert. Thanks for listening. Really have a Merry Christmas. We'll talk to you next week. Merry Christmas.